Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Troy Osanoff, a successful and unconventional entrepreneur. Today's episode is a little bit different, and so I'm actually going to leave his intro for him to tell you because he is a very, very interesting uh, and successful person. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show, Troy. Super excited to have you on, my friend. Glad to be here. Um, I'd love it if you can tell our audience a little bit about yourself to give them some context. Sure. Yeah. I mean, had a very random background I can tell you about. Um, been uh, building websites since I was nine years old. Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to buy Pokemon cards and uh, I was washing cars door to door and realized that I can make uh, websites for all the local businesses. So decided to do that and make websites for 50 bucks a pop. Um, got enamored by all things internet, loved uh, everything about making websites. That was the coolest thing in the world. Like it puts me, on, puts me on a computer, anyone in the world can see it. Uh, and I wanted to pursue that. And my parents told me that the internet was a fad and I get a real job. So I went to college for biology, but dropped out within a year, of course, to uh, pursue that whole internet thing and uh, made my first website called uh, makeagif.com, which is one of the first sites to combine multiple images the GIFs. So if you use Twitter or Reddit, you still might see the little watermark in the bottom right of the screen uh, on those GIFs. Not long after that, I, the company actually got acquired. I helped fund and start up a recording studio up in Harlem, working with artists like Drake, Kendrick Lamar, Yo-Yo Ma. Uh, I found that there was a bankrupt shoe factory in Midtown Manhattan because they overextended themselves into wholesale, uh, helped pay off their debts, go direct consumer only, and become profitable. Still the only shoe factory in New York City today on 38th Street. Same time, I had a Tumblr about bad parenting photos. I don't know why I made it, just decided to make it one day. Howard Stern ended up talking about it and uh, went viral and Penguin uh, offered to do a book deal with me. So naturally published a book with Penguin. Um, I actually ended up selling the rights of that book to Fox. Uh, after that, the world's largest HVAC distributor asked me to run their digital marketing. So went down to Miami to oversee digital marketing for a company that's doing $6 billion a year for HVAC distribution, helped them build up the consumer facing ends and, uh, and modernize and digitize all their processes. While I was doing that, HVAC was super boring. So I started launching products again. So I launched the first iPhone 7 case with a headphone jack built in after Apple removed it. I launched a viral Pokemon Go dating app with 300,000 active users on it called Pokematch and a bunch of e-commerce properties and random projects and extend Chrome extensions and things I was building at the time that some of them went viral. So BuzzFeed saw that it went viral. I, had, I was making things go viral. So they reached out to me and saying, hey, you're good at th making things go viral and you know consumer, can you lead customer acquisition for us? So went to New York, led customer acquisition for BuzzFeed, uh, helped them turn like tasty number one cookbook in the world in 2017, overseeing a uh, top candle company online called Homesick, uh, oversaw partnerships like 3M, Walmart, Plated, et cetera. 
After that, about a year, uh, I wanted to do my own thing again. Uh, ended up starting a marketing agency with my co-founder, Michael, uh, called Juice. Uh, so we started that in 2017, and now we're team about 40 people. Uh, work and working with brands like L'Oreal, Diesel, ClearBank, etc. Uh, we just hit Inc. 105 last year in the Inc. 5000 list, uh, growing quickly. And yeah, it's been fun. Uh, work with a lot of different, a lot of amazing clients. Also spun out a development agency, uh, doing the development work for brands like Mr. Beastie Brand Feastables and a bunch of others along the way. And also joined uh, a venture firm to be a partner of Magic Fund overseeing D2C MarTech investments. That's awesome. That's incredible, dude. All the things. And and you you're you you don't look uh you don't look that old. We look similar age, if you don't mind me asking. I'm 31. 33. 33. That's awesome, dude. So let me ask you, in in doing all of that, obviously it's not a it's not a matter of I'm just gonna make some stuff by myself and then you know move to the next thing. You you developed this ability to connect with people and, and have people implement things on your behalf. And, and, and I would assume, right. So you become this, this idea guy that turned to implementer and then you have teams of people. Is that right? Or is this all just you coding somewhere sitting in your office? Uh, I mean, when I was younger, it was definitely all me. <laughs> like I had a, or I had a partner like me, I had a really great partner that I built with and just the two of us that scaled up the company way too far. We're just two people. We just worked way too many hours. Later on, definitely built out teams and had great partnerships along the way that made it possible. But yeah, it just depends on the project. I uh, yeah, I've always just had this uh, habit, I guess it would be, that when I encounter like a roadblock or any kind of issue, I just, I don't know why, I just write down if the different like like solutions for it and see if there's a viable business around that. So like make a GIF is just... I was young. I thought gifts were cool. I didn't know how to make them. I couldn't, I never knew how to use Photoshop. And I figured I couldn't be the only one with this issue. So I figured, why don't make, if there's a, like a web solution we can make that actually take pictures and turn it into a GIF, it would suffice to make uh, make GIFs. So that's how Make a GIF was born. Uh, a bunch of other companies like the iPhone 7 case, like that I put out, Fuse case. Fuse case. Um, we just realized that people were getting really frustrated seeing that there was no a headphone jack built in the iPhone anymore. Uh, we knew there had to be a way to fix it. So we figured out how to retrofit uh, an old iPhone case into uh, having a little headphone jack. So mm-hmm. there's like a framework that we built out to figure out like viable solutions for businesses or just kind of like puzzle, sol- like puzzle solving for me. Mm. Is your intention to, uh, you know, to, to, to flip the companies uh, or are you, are you, do you hold them all and sort of oversee them as this empire? Like what, what do you do? What are you doing with them now? And, or what was your intention when you're going in and, and, and setting these up? Uh, it depends on the business. I have a lot of the companies I built uh, or sold later on. It just depends. I was most of the businesses and no intention of selling, just kind of build out because I saw there was a need in the market. And there was an opportunity. So I just built it out to see what happened. Like it was not like most of the projects, like the things that became like more substantial were just like there's a need in the market. Let's see what happens and then kind of go from there. Um, if it hits certain scale, like like Make a Gift did or some of the other ones, then obviously it has a viable opportunity to sell. Um, but it wasn't the intention going in, like I'm gonna exit this for X dollars. Like we're just this is this market that has a need. Let me fill that. And so when you're looking at as the company's growing and obviously there there becomes more demand on you and and whatever you know small team you you may or may not have you're looking for opportunities to bring in people and uh, and things like that what are you 
generally looking at doing first? Like if somebody's listening to this and they've got a company and they're feeling overwhelmed and they're wanting, they're feeling like, you know, the roadblock is me or, you know, it's just me and Dave doing everything. What are you looking for first in terms of your, your first hire typically? Um, I mean, for myself, it, uh, I'm looking for people that can, like, I, I don't mind wearing many hats and filling in the gaps a lot of areas. So just looking for people, think, people to do things that I can't do. Like I'm not, I haven't uh, written code in years. So like I need a development partner or, uh, like fuse case. I needed a, an engineering partner that could figure out how to actually build this case out and, uh, make it work. So it really depends on the use of the product, the products that's being built out. Uh, but generally like the first thing that we can do is just kind of test the viability of the product and do like a called like a paperwork test and build out a landing page to see if there's any interest. Like I, my background is like in marketing mostly at this point. So I can build out landing pages, put the products, a rough example of the product would be on a page, send traffic to it, see people respond to it. Are people uh, clicking through and interested or are they just leaving right away? Are people even clicking at all? And if they're interested, like how far are they clicking through? Where are they reading? And that kind of gives me the inspiration to keep pushing forward and see if the product's worth building out. Yeah, I love that. It's actually testing it, right? Too many people put their entire life's work into something and say they've tested it because they posted in a group somewhere and five people said that they'd be interested. And then they just Especially go, great, if they're friends it. that they're not going to tell them no, are they? Exactly. Oh, oh yeah, great idea. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. A like on a on a on a post is not actual intent, and so nope. then they go and just try and build this thing out, and then wonder why it's not working. Um, yeah, I think that's exactly. a people like building products now. Like people don't realize how expensive making products gets, and there's minimum order quantities. There's tooling to actually it's anything physical, like uh, anything electrical on it. Good luck. That gets expensive quick. Mm. So that's a lesson I learned the hard way. Yeah, but yeah, it's. Uh, what do you, what do you think fueling that? What do you think is fueling that that this idea that I can just make a product business or, you know, something like that? Is it is it this is it the gurus and and drop shipping and and Amazon and stuff like that? Or what do you think is going on? I mean, I think it definitely is a part because I think there's more exposure and ever to seeing entrepreneurs out there where people are making, and then of course the gurus on Instagram showing their Lamborghinis, like, look, I have this, you can too, uh, which I think is great. That's encouraging people to be entrepreneurs and encouraging people to uh, to be creative and build businesses. But at the same time, like they do need to understand the costs that go with it, and they they should be considering the MVP model of the you know minimal viable product versus trying to go all out and spend their life savings trying to build a product that might have no product market fit. Yeah, and I think it was Gary Vee that said that it's it's perfectly okay to be like number sixteen at Facebook. You know, uh, you don't have 100%. to be the Zuckerberg, uh, etc. Making things, but there's this stylized you know entrepreneurship is cool and I'm going to go and be an entrepreneur and I'm going to start a business and people haven't haven't even got their own shit together let alone being able to go out there and and make it work in the business yeah I mean there's nothing wrong with like if someone has a vision that you really agree with and you're aligned with jumping on board with them and being either an early employee or potentially a partner with them like you don't have to be the person like getting behind and building everything yourself like if you see someone on a, on a great path and you want to take part of that journey why not like I don't think anyone would uh would shy away from being you know an early employee at Facebook yeah exactly exactly with the products and things that that you know you've you've launched and you you've seen a problem you've solved the problem you've tested it you've gone and started growing it is your intention like when you're looking at uh, revenue and, and profits and things like that are you thinking to yourself all right well here's what I would pay myself and then that's it and as we grow I'm then just using all of those resources to continue to grow the company are you trying to maximize profitability like how do you think about that um, in, in, in a new startup company. 
Uh, I mean, definitely want to make sure it's self-sustaining, of course, as quick as possible. Like, uh, I, it depends. It really depends the type of business that's being built out. Like, if it's like we built uh, within like Juice from our agency, we built out a SaaS offering. Like, for example, on that, like you can see pretty quickly that you know the reoccurring bills come every month. If you get people to sign up for quickly, it's going to be self-sustaining and grow, and so you can determine how much money you should be investing in it. Um, versus like a product where it's like you jumping up one-off purchases. Um, you want to see how quickly you can get sales and how cheap the sales can be uh, when you're doing that initial testing. But it really depends on the business that we're being that's being built out to determine how to budget towards that and how to set initial like goal like goals and milestones. Yeah, because I think that a lot of people um, they they have this hard time uh, marrying business and. Uh, getting paid. Like when you are an employee, you get paid for what you do. And then when you run a business, you see all this money comes through and it's kind of like, you know, do, do I draw a salary? Am I, is this all mine? Is this not like, when should I be investing in more stuff? And I suppose, like you said, if you're trying to get the business to be sustainable and, and run smoothly, then you're going to be investing in solving the problems that would allow you to be able to continue to do that and grow the company rather than thinking I'm making a hundred thousand dollars a month go, the company is generating $100,000 a month. How much surplus is there to solve problems so we can grow bigger rather than like, oh, I want to take 80 of that into my pocket. Yeah. And it's also important, like the sustainability of the business is important to keep in mind because if you're not taking a salary and you're growing this business and let's say the business, you know, is making, you know, 50K a year, but you're not paying yourself anything. You don't think a replacement cost too if someone's actually buying it from you. The person that's buying it from you isn't going to work like the employee or them at their company is not going to work for free. They have to pay their salary. So is it even profitable at that point? Like you have to always be considering that as well. Um, but it's also an interesting point you're making earlier that uh, people kind of forget when you're starting a business, there's no guaranteed salary. You kind of eat what you kill. Um, and that's the the fun part and the scary part about being an entrepreneur. It's not a, there's no guaranteed money. No, and I, and I think that if you if you have those fears and you're able to 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 push past and face that, then then it's okay to go and work for someone else and do something else because it yeah, does require us. You know, you have to have a uh, metaphorical pair of uh, gender neutral coconuts to uh, sometimes jump into into these things, right? Yeah, it's definitely. I can see it being scary. I mean, it's, I guess I'm just kind of used to it at this point. Uh, my friends that are taking. The, the plunge into entrepreneurship for the first time they're telling me how hard and scary it was i just i guess i just never think about it much because i just been too used to it at this point mm. but yeah i mean it's nice having a guaranteed salary coming in uh and you have peace of mind on that side but a lot more uh a lot more on your shoulders when you start a company yeah well, well let me ask you then uh what stopped you at each point kind of just going bigger with one company? Why didn't you turn the gift company into a billion dollar empire? What made you switch? And how do you think about that? Um, because with so many things, I'd be thinking, you know, am I am I switching to the next thing too quickly? Or did you meet a sort of natural transition point where like, hey, like I have to switch? Yeah, I mean, like the gift company just had a good opportunity to sell. I was young and uh, I was like, you know, 21, 22. Um, so I had the opportunity to sell and... Uh, had other ideas and I kind of at that point wasn't sure when I wanted to do long term and like for a business and I had a good opportunity to sell and I figured why not because it's uh it was a good multiple and a good opportunity uh so I liked kind of just building things and throwing things at the wall to see what stuck and uh thankfully a lot of great companies came of that for me but I yeah I kind of just wanted to just jump around to like, test my ideas and now like 
like Juice, for example, I've been in there for over four years, probably the longest uh, business that I've had before selling it off and moving on. And now Michael and I are, are building something new that can be announced soon as well. But yeah, it's uh, mostly just I was younger and just trying to try a bunch of different things, see what I wanted to do um, for the rest of my life, basically, and see what yeah. see what see what, see what I liked. No, I I like that. And too many people, like I went to I left high school, I went to university uh, to become a chiropractor, which is a five year degree, and then I graduated and I went into practice, and and it was a lot more, you know, there, there's a path that I have to go through. And not that I would change anything because it's ultimately allowed me to get to where I am and, and, and that sort of thing. With hindsight, I would have loved to have been able to do more things without a, you know, what seemed like a, a, a defined path so that I could have that experience and get to the same place with more, more network and more, more knowledge because who I've become in the last few years of doing the online space stuff since 2019 is dramatically uh, and exponentially changed uh, how I see myself, how I see the world, how I make decisions, all that kind of thing has made me better in business. Let me ask you, you said at the start uh, that your parents said to you the internet was a fad. Dude, that must've been like, what, 2005 or something like that? Like it, like it kind of, yeah, it was kind there. of arguably it well was past like the Facebook fad was phase. just getting started. Like there wasn't the, the norm of dropping out of college. Like I think like Zuckerberg did it and everyone's like, oh, it's crazy. Now it's kind of the norm. Uh, so, I mean, it was, it's interesting because I remember back then, like, I think about back then, um, even then, like a few years later, like when I was in high school and I was building like entertainment sites and messing around building web pages, wherever I went, no one really cared about anything internet. They thought about MySpace or whatever the time was popular, but it wasn't an integrated, like integral part of everyone's everyday life. Like it is now. And I think a lot of people forget that like back then, like. Uh, the internet was something you did when you went home and you had a computer, like you got on your computer. Yeah, you could do a little bit on your phone, but it was basically next to nothing. The iPhone wasn't even out yet at the time. Uh, and then over time, every bit of our lives became more and more integrated. Like the internet became more integral every aspect of our lives, whatever we're doing, whatever business you're in, everything touches the internet, whether it's just finding a business, whether it's uh, staying in contact, making payments, everything. So it wasn't like that back then. So I get why my parents didn't like couldn't see the had the like see that that's where the direction was going because most of the world didn't see the direction going that way i uh i didn't even know if it was like i was still surprised by how much it took off but at the same time like i knew something big was happening here mm. and it was hard for me to explain that to anyone that at the time because most people just didn't care They're like that's to go home and send emails and look at pictures on myspace or whatever yeah yeah but that's ironically it's it's that vision that that creates anything right like nobody sees it nobody saw uber and now we look at it and we're like dude why didn't we all start we all had that idea like wish i could just get a get a cab or airbnb like it just makes so much sense right with hindsight and so i suppose it's catching yeah. that next trend so um before we sort of wrap this up because i know that you've got a tight schedule i would love you to kind of speak to that about what's happening in your opinion with like the metaverse and nfts and crypto because i think that people are looking at it like they were looking at the internet and not realizing that they are replicating the same, like the, the logical fallacy. I don't know what you, what you want to call it. Like the internet's a fad. So therefore this metaverse thing, like how are we, what we're going to live in the, the virtual world. And they don't understand that we basically already do. Uh, and it's just a yeah. transformation of something that's already kind of happening. You're, you, you touched on it just there. We, so we already do. Um, I get in this debate all the time with people that's saying like, all my friends like the metaverse is stupid. Like who cares about all this stuff? And I have to remind them that we're already living in that. I mean, 
look at your Instagram. This that's not you. That's your that's like your internet persona. You try so hard to be a different person for your Instagram, whether you want to be like cool, smart, selling things, whatever it is, but that's your digital presence. That's not what you generally are like in real life. And you put so much emphasis on there, like, and you put value on there, like uh, a blue check on your Instagram, people would try to pay thousands of dollars for because it's a digital like social signal. The same thing now, like with an NFT to have like a board ape or something like that, or a crypto punk. It's just the next iteration of where the internet's going. We're already there. It's just becoming more, uh, it's coming more and more present in our lives. And it seems like some, it may seem silly, but those are the same people that probably already tweaking their Instagram using Facetune to try to look as good as I can on their pictures. And 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 I might even argue and go and go deeper and say that how we show up at work as a persona, how we show up in our relationships, because you lock a person in a room and they don't think anybody's watching. Who they are going to be is very different to when their kids are there, when their wife is there, when their friends are there. And you could you could easily argue, and I would that that's okay. Like how I'm going to show up with my wife is going to be different to how I show up with my kids because I've got a role to play and that's positive. Um, but I think that when we realize that like, Hey, we are all creating this persona, it might be more fake, whatever on the internet, we're realizing that like, it's all an extension of reality. Social media hasn't made us a certain way. It's shown us who we are. And and the matter is a, it's just an extension of that. It's also just letting you be whoever you want to be. Like if if you want to be a completely different person, you want to be a non, whatever you want to be, it can be the like the version of you that makes you happy or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a negative, but it's uh yeah, it's it's gonna be very interesting where to see this where like the metaverse goes and I'm excited for it. Um NFTs, a lot of people don't get it. They think that people are putting a lot of money into stupid pictures and I could just screenshot this and I could just right click save, but they don't understand what's underpinning the actual movement. It's not about pictures. It's about community and tokenization of culture and and access to things. How do you, how would you explain it to somebody who thinks it's about JPEGs and make them understand that it's the same thing as kind of like a Starbucks coffee card? Uh, or their gym membership, like NFTs linking it to the real world things, they can bridge the gap. I mean, there's different, there's so many different like applications you can have with an NFT is like, if you want to talk about the JPEG side of things, like, uh, I know I touched on board apes before, but uh, it's effectively like a means to be invested, investing in communities that you believe in. Like, let's say that you want a board ape, there's 10,000 board apes out there. You own a few of them. You own a, a fraction of the board ape market, which is fa- effectively a massive company that's growing and they're releasing tokens. So you could actually have uh, actual ownership and utility and make money off of this. If you're, if you're looking at companies like Blau is launching uh, his music company for music royalties that you can buy into owning a piece of a, of a song that's coming out from an artist you like. And instead of just buying their album, support them, you could actually own a piece of the music and collect money on that. There's the NFT aspect for validation for uh, for fakes for like sorry, sneakers like are being integrated. That like I don't know, if it was Nike or Adidas was starting to integrate NFTs into their shoes to authenticate that these are real to remove uh, you know the fakes, so many fakes that are out there. Uh, there's so many different applications, but the NFT underlying tech is what's so exciting and everyone's just discovering now to figure out how to build around. And it just, there's so many different areas you can jump into. I can talk for hours about it, whether it's in real estate or, yeah, et cetera. It's, it, it, you, you said a key thing there, right? It's it's it, it's validation of like, it, if how do you tell that a shoe is real or fake, 
right? Where you have to get, I say this about, say, the Mona Lisa. If I said, hey, I got the Mona Lisa in my house, first of all, you're not going to believe me. Second of all, you're going to have to have proof. And I'm going to have to get a team of laboratory scientists to like assess and prove this thing. Whereas with NFTs, you can scan a code or whatever, and then boom, yep, we know it's verified and that it is the real thing. And so when you when you understand that is what it's at, at its core, then it's just how do you want to apply that to everything in life and, and cryptocurrency is, and, and I'm by no means an expert, so I'm probably going to put my foot in my mouth here. Cryptocurrencies is essentially this, the same thing in that it's, but it's, it's utility is in, in transactions as a currency, right? But it's still a, it's a validating that this is a real token and it only holds value if people believe it holds value. Just public, like, public on a ledger. Yeah. Yeah, right. But the, the, the part you talked about just a second ago, so I actually explained this to my dad because my dad's always uh, been a fan of art, collected some art his life, throughout his life. Um, and I explained to him like that I sort of some photo- NFT photography I bought. And I showed him that, you know, it's on the computer. I have a picture, I'll print it out. And it doesn't matter if someone steals. It doesn't matter if I spill a glass of wine or something like that, or I break it. Because the real under, like, it doesn't matter because the original is that photo that I own the license when I keep printing more of if I want to. And it's like, you own the license, you own the actual IP of the of the actual art. And that's what clicked for him. He's like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. That makes sense to me. So I think it's like, whatever you're interested in, uh, it can, it's easier to tie NFTs to make sense to it if it's an area that like that you follow or are or, or curious about. I'm I'm really interested to see how things go over the next 10 years with this stuff i'm hyped for when apple i think apple's working on like you got the apple glasses or whatever and then you've got the apple vr and things i'm excited I think to, there's a, like one coming out soon like a announcement for one of those coming out next yeah i'm, I'm really week. excited when when there's like glasses that you're just wearing them but you can see the virtual world in what you're doing whether it's just messages or whatever, or you're looking at, for example, I, I watched in the demo, you're walking down the street and the traffic light is red. And so it tells you to stop walking or it shows you where to go because you've got your map. But when you think about the NFT world, you can start walking into, you can walk up to a shop and it auto authenticates and you the door opens for you and it doesn't open for your friend. And you go, sorry, I've got the special pass back entrance for Starbucks you know, I can get into the Louis Vuitton shop. I can join this club. Oh, you can't come to the club. Oh, you don't have a, you don't own a crypto punk. Oh, you can't come to the club. Sorry, man. Like you don't have to be part of the in crowd. Uh, it, it just in the culture, you can actually have the item that allows the access and it's verifiable. And I think that's, what's going to be crazy. Dude, this, this interview has been uh, amazing uh, for me. It's, I, I think that we talk very fast and people need to re-listen to this. Um, because we covered some cool stuff, but uh, I really appreciate you you coming on. I wish I could have talked with you for longer, but I know that you've got a busy schedule. So where can our audience connect with you online? Yeah, uh, my Twitter is at yo, yo, Instagram's at Troy. And uh, for my agency, it's thinkjuice.com. Awesome. I've got one last question for you that I ask everybody. What's the most important thing you ever learned? My grandfather told me to be solution-minded. Um, and I always remind myself that whenever I'm in, uh, uh, any kind of issue or anything, just instead of panicking and getting, uh, or stressing, just think about how you can be solution-minded and just reminding that myself all the time. It always been helpful. That's self-evident with all the success you've had, my friend. So I really appreciate you. And, uh, it's been amazing. You take care. You as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode. So you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe 
and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business. We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsonwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you are watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.